As a founder, you may think that you are a superhuman and could do everything. It's not true. There's always someone that could do something better than I can. Mm -hmm. My job as the founder to welcome them into our environment, to make sure they're happy here, and to make sure that they're incentivized in the right way to do the job they're supposed to be doing. And we're back with another episode of The Founder's Life. I realized I did not say that in past episodes, and we did change the name of the podcast in our second episode, so I'll make sure to say it today. But in today's uh, episode, we have three really great topics. Our first topic is conflict that includes founders, co-founders, but probably shouldn't, and why it shouldn't. Um, how owners can basically become the bottleneck of every decision and how we can almost not become that bottleneck. And that's something Dave and I are still dealing with today and trying to learn through. And then last but not least, which we found is everyone's favorite part is the idea of the day. And it's on me today. So Dave, you got to hear my idea. Are you excited for the idea? I'm scared. I'm always scared. Is, is, I'm, I'm going to hit. Is, is the answer is, to the question. I don't know if, if you can see the little cage in the back, but it has to deal with something around that. But anyway, oh, now that you're dog, now that you're a dog owner, now that I have a, I'm a dog owner, I have a lot of ideas. Yeah. Uh, so, so conflict that includes you know co-founders, founders, but should not. Why, why don't you give an example of that, Dave? Uh, and then we can kind of get into what we've learned to how to overcome that and go into a little bit more detail with that. Okay. So so. I think what I've noticed in the past, this being an issue, is let's say, for example, I were to push a deadline faster on the team and I were to say, hey, team, you have to do this faster. Instead of coming back to me, sometimes the team would go around me and go to you and say, I can't believe that Dave did X, Y, Z or vice versa. I can't believe that Zach did X, Y, Z. And I think a lot of times what we will notice um, while we have less of it now and we've had it in the past is that when they don't like something one of the two of us does, they go to the other party instead of going to the existing party. And I think that can apply to not just us as co-founders, but it can apply to like a team dynamic in any way. And, and I, I think that's the general problem. And I think formally this is known as triangulation of issues. I think that's like the formal definition of this problem. But what have you seen? Like now that, now that we kind of know what the problem is, like what have you seen as solutions to this that we've implemented um, to cause like more open and honest communication in our in our organization? Now, I, I, a lot of times I don't think it's inherently done purposefully. So I'm going to point that one out. I don't think the team members are like, I'm doing this on purpose. I think naturally what happens, and this really, you know, it's about the founder's life. We're co-founders. I think what happens, at least what we've seen, is when there are two co-founders, it's almost like you have two people and you don't have one person necessarily to go to. So you kind of go to whichever one for whatever reason. If you don't agree with one, you go to the other and vice versa. And I think that's naturally what happens. And although I wouldn't say we've perfected a solution here, I think what we've done, number one, is identify roles and responsibilities from me and you. So for example, if they're coming to me about certain things that aren't really in my roles and responsibilities, obviously anything like HR that handles both of us, but anything that's like sales re related, they'll like go to you and anything more marketing operations related, they'll go to me. And what will happen is maybe they'll kind of cross those lines. And then basically it's me and the worker, the, you know, the, the, the employee that's complaining, upset, frustrated, coming at you. And it creates this triangle, right? And that can be really 
bad because now it almost is like two people versus one. And well, then <laughs> what happens after that? Like maybe we have. Well, well okay. Okay. So, so, so what happened in those issues is now, it, you know, if let's say the issue, let's, let's just pick on myself, right? It's a little easier. Let, let's say I, I was the one that, that caused this, the, this unrest in the person and they went to you and now you are taking their side or you are, you think that they're in the right or I'm in the wrong. Now it's almost become, it doesn't even become about that person. It just becomes a disagreement between the two of us. The two of us. That's the trap that you and I have fallen into. I think yeah. we do a much better job of that before. It's just like not making, not making the employees problems with either one of us problems with each other yes and i think we've also gotten a little bit more self-reflective and learned the things within ourselves that we've needed to work on like for me it's been defensiveness for you it's been a little bit more like curtness but like (laughs) like like there's like two different things that we've had to work on but like i think we've gotten a place where if someone does come to the two of us we'll either direct them to just go to the person they have the issue with to start and see if that works. Um, and if not, you just, you know, one of the two of us communicating like, Hey, there was this issue. Yep. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just laying it out how it is, but not really having an opinion about it. And then if we discuss it, like we just try to discuss it objectively. We don't yep. try to discuss it with any like emotions or being, I told you so. <laughs> I told yeah. you so, you know, we've been talking about this before. Like it, you gotta almost re- release the emotions out of it so that it doesn't become a fight between you and I because somewhere they could be frustrated and sometimes it could just require them talking to you. I anymore, I almost like don't even hear about it unless you even you sometimes real, hey, you know, XYZ was kind of frustrated with me with this. I'm going to work on this. I'm like, great. I didn't even know about that. And that is great because I don't because what will happen is you and I tend to then get on a phone call. Then we're going to talk about the issue for an hour. Then we will text about it later that night. And it just keeps dragging on and on. So where I think I it just going back seven, six, seven, eight years, where I think I would do a better job is I would say to the employee, worker, whoever, hey, you're 100% heard you know, in this company. Like you, your voice matters. I hear what you're saying. Um, I would like for you to go to Dave first. And if you feel as though Dave is not being receptive, then definitely include me. Because then that that is an issue if you're not being receptive and vice versa. So if someone comes to you and they're like, hey, I'm having a problem with Zach. You say, hey, go to Zach. And if Zach's not, if you feel as though Zach's not being receptive, then come to me. But if it automatically brings me or you in it, boom, triangle. And <laughs> it's like game over. Well, I, I, I like to think of this too as like, you know, Every time we receive a piece of feedback from the team, it's an important time to pause and reflect versus react. Like yeah. if, if someone gives either of us a piece of feedback, um, I, I think, you know, at, at least for me, I'm always trying to look inward and go, what what could I do better? And I think yeah. what the two of us have done better since we've known each other for so many years is we'll talk about the issues that the team has brought up and we'll say, you know, hey, what, what do you think of this? Let's like workshop this a little bit. Like, how can we holistically improve this? And it becomes more about that, like, rigorous self-improvement versus just an argument about an issue. And I think this could apply to team members. Like, you know, I know in our team, like, there's been, um, like, a couple issues where um, people have had different issues with direct reports and they haven't gone directly to the direct report to give them candid feedback, yep. which is a hard thing to do. It's something that you and I have both struggled with is giving giving that we're so great at giving the positive feedback whenever the good jobs are rolling in 
But as soon as you have to give that negative feedback for someone, it's like, oh, I want to tell them that something was bad. But, yep. you know, yep. at least for the two of us, like I know the two of us have pretty thick skin, so we could, we could take it. And I think like it's that rigor of development of being able to give that negative feedback to someone and know that you're just doing it to help them versus be hurtful. But that person needs to be able to, to receive that too. And that's the other yes. part. It, and and it's not where if you come to me and I'm like putting up a fight, like we're in a, in a boxing ring or vice versa, nothing will get done too. And then usually what will happen is, uh, is a person will then get put on basically their own boat somewhere. So you're kind of like a castaway within the company. And it's like, see, the whole team agrees here and you're kind of over there. And, da, 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 da. and it's not helping anyone. Whereas... I do think there's there's kind of 50% on either side. The other person would be like, you know what, guys, you're right. Like, I screwed up there. I'm not going to do that. And then you have to hold with that. And the other side is like, has to be willing to accept that, yes, they did screw up. That person may have screwed up in whatever way. But giving them the opportunity to improve yeah. the next time. Because if, if it's constantly, well, you screwed up and I'm done. It, it's, again, it's game over. <laughs> it becomes that uh, castaway. Uh, I would also say uh, another framework that I've thought about is, is, you know, if, if you're giving that direct feedback, the goal, the goal should be to ultimately improve upon what, what has happened there. And if you disagree, if you disagree with the feedback, it's okay to also accept a decision that you don't necessarily have agreement with. And this is something that you and I have gone back and forth over, with over right. years. Like it's okay to accept something and like just agree with the other person to like this time around. And it's, it's not so much like, like you don't always have to be a hundred percent, right? You could try right. something that other someone else's thinks and run with their idea. And if that idea doesn't work out, you don't have to, I told you so that I'm on the back end. <laughs> this did work. I, I said so three weeks ago. Now, no, I, I, I definitely do agree with that. And I think at the end of the day, this just pulls into if you've ever been in some sort of relationship, whether that's a mom, dad, cousin, brother, sister, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, having a co-founder, I said this before in our podcast, it's just like being in a relationship and it teaches you so many lessons that aren't even about business. Like this really deals with a lot of like relationship issues and how do you bring a problem to the table? How do you not create this tension? How do you not create this triangulization? And then how do you not like put that person out on this boat where they feel like they're kind of exiled out of the company. And that's not, well, that's not fair to anybody. Uh, I, I'll, all I'd like, just like one more thing to that is just, it's less about the other person and it's more about yourself too. Like it's about your, like all of this, you know, with other people and dealing with other people in relationships. And I think you'll learn this being in, other, in relationships with people. It all comes back to you at the end of the day. Like you're bringing what you're bringing to the table. It's causing a rife in a relationship and you gotta, you gotta make sure you're good. So you could be good for the other person on the other side of the table at the end of the day. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's move on to the next part of our podcast, which is how do co-founders, founders not become the bottleneck within their company? So I'm going to paint a little picture right here. It's Dave and I, 2015. We have no employees. We have no one else. It's just us. We are doing everything from the sales and marketing to the operations, to paying our bills, to getting the clients, to working with clients, to talking with clients. And then all of a sudden we hire someone and you have knowledge retained on your side. I have knowledge retained on my side. And then the person doesn't actually have the autonomy to make the decisions that they should and could be making 
because you and I are the bottleneck. Does that sound familiar, Dave? You know, yes. And I think this is, I think this is something that happens, it happened in 2015 and, and continue to be something that we work on every single day because you, know, you, you and I want to continually being, be moving, you know, we, we're entrepreneurs, both of us are entrepreneurs. We create something, we build it, but as we grow bigger, we don't necessarily have to work on the thing that we built. Like that can be, and we're not even the best at it. So I think that's the correct. Important one. Doesn't mean we're the best at it. Just because we did it X number of years ago doesn't mean we're the best at that. We just naturally filled that role. So how? So what have we learned about? It, the word is delegation, and I hate. I feel like it's just another one of those like books. There's a delegation, delegation, delegation. But how? What have we learned to allow people to be autonomous to make the decisions that they can make? Well, I think the first thing is, I think there's like three things to this framework. The first thing is making sure you have the right person that you could trust. That That's ground zero. You have to have some yep. sort of trust in the person you're delegating. Next, you have to make sure that person has the proper tools to delegate to them. Like imagine you, let, let's let's take a really simple example. Let's, let's say you imagine you delegated digging a hole to someone, but you didn't give them a shovel. So, you know, you're like, all right, like, like, what are you going to do this with a spoon from your kitchen thing? To figure it out the right tools. And then I, I think the third one is the third, the third piece, the delegation is making sure that there is a shared expectation of what success looks like at the completion of the deliverable um, or the completion of the task. So let's say you were created, let's say, go back to the whole example. You want someone to deliver a hole. So you have someone that you trust to show up on time, dig you the hole. They have experience. They have everything. They're a great hole digger. Second, you give them a great shovel, best shovel they possibly can to dig the hole. And then you tell them, hey, I want you to dig the hole 10 feet deep um, and uh, six feet wide. And if you don't have those three components, then you're not properly delegating a task, in my opinion. Now, I'm just curious what you think of that, like in, in that framework. Like, like, is there anything else that you think about when you're delegating to someone? I think those three components are great, but I think you're missing one more component, which kind of goes back to our first topic within here, which is you have to be willing to allow your people to make mistakes and not react in a really harsh way. So you and I grew up DJing and doing some things and we, there's been some stories where people just reacted very negatively. You're under that pressure, something, music goes out, oh my gosh, it's your fault, blah, 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 blah. Everyone is going to make mistakes. You and I have gotten yelled at on the phone by people. You and I have gotten nasty emails. You and I have gotten thrown out of an office before. Um, and we thought what we were doing was right. It, it's not as if we did anything intentionally to hurt anybody. We, there was no pre-planning to make, it just happens. Sometimes you're, you think you know everything, you go out and you do it. And next thing you know, you're like, oh my gosh, that was the that was a really bad decision. But at the end of the day, the worst decision is making no decision. And if we're stuck sitting and contemplating a decision for an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, 24 hours, the client is going to get really, really mad. And that doesn't help anyone's the, the co-founders and founders, in my opinion, uh, this is what I think was worked with us, is you're going to screw up. Okay, we have your back. There was a time not too long ago where we were like, hey, 
we are allowing you like, yes, make this decision. And if a client reacts, we have your back. Literally after that call, we had a client reacting about the decision that was made. And I had to jump on the call and be like, hey, we have your back. And I think at the end of the day, if someone knows that you have their back, they will make decisions for themselves and still feel as though they're not going to get screamed at or fired or any of that kind of stuff. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah. So I guess if we're adding a fourth thing to the framework, it's really that support to the delegate yes. to the delegation. Like you can't just delegate and then walk away and expect everything to be done. You have, you still have to support, um, you know, the person on the team that's doing it. And that support doesn't have to be direct. You don't have to be doing their job. They, they should be able to handle the task and they should be the expert in that task. And they should be the one that's really like nurturing what they're doing, but you have to be there on the back end and, and they have to know that you have their back. Um, in case something goes wrong or in case they need more time or in case they need something shifted around uh, when you're when you're when you're delegating a task. But how it, would you yeah. how would you explain, though, why it's important for founders, co-founders, ourselves uh, to be able to delegate those tasks? And I know I said in the beginning, well, we're not great at everything. But why is it important, would you say, for the business so that it's not as if. It's not, the, it's not the entrepreneur, co-founder, founder saying, oh, I don't want to do it. It's not, it's not that. So what does it mean to the actual business side of things? So, so if you think about the business, right? You know, the business has, at least for us, has grown beyond the two of us. So I think we have something like 20 people that rely on us every single day. So there's no way, like if we loaded up 20 people in a room, there's no way that either one of us can do 20 people a day's worth of work. But 20 people can produce 20 people a day's worth of work. There's... Every day in our company, that let's say if you do twenty by twenty by eight hours a day, there's 160 hours of work per day that goes on inside of our company. Right. And as a founder, you may think that you are a superhuman and could do everything. It's not true. In fact, the way I like to think about it is like there's always someone that could do something better than I can. It's mm. my job as the founder to welcome them into our environment, to make sure they're happy here, and to make sure that they're incentivize in the right way to do the job they're supposed to be doing. It's not my job to do every single job inside the company. Otherwise our growth will be stifled. So right. I, I just think about it like, you know, I am in a constant state of trying to delegate or bring up other people in our organization to tasks that are beyond what I'm capable of doing. I look and, at it as like a sports, a sports analogy though. If you have a team and I know you don't like sports analogies, but I'm going to run with this one. If you have a football team, a basketball team, soccer team, those are split second in the moment decisions. So if the quarterback fumbles the ball, it's rolling down the field, what does everyone do? It doesn't, there's not a timeout. And then, the, you know, the coaches come in and say, okay, you have to then go chase it. Like, I don't know football that well, but there's, Football players would know what to do. Like Tom Brady would know what to do in that situation. But if founders are in that and trying to make every decision for the team, we're not going to get anywhere. Tom Brady's not going to be able to go down the field within two minutes, you know, left in the clock and go win the game if the coaches constantly need to throw a timeout and huddle everybody together. So that's kind of how I look at it too. Now, the other part of this is how do you get the knowledge? That again, you and I started this business by ourselves. In theory, we know, quote unquote, the most about our own business. Not that we know everything about everything, but we've been working with X client for five years. We've been working with, you know, 
these people for three years and you start building these relationships, how do you take that and what you know and the, the things that they like, the things that they don't like, the things that have made them mad in the past and pass that down to the, to the team so that they do feel so that they can make their decisions while still, while still making decisions that they think are right. Because we don't want it to just be, well, this is what you need to do and this is what Dave and Zach would do. Because that's not the truth of this, right? I, I think it's about not becoming the lone wolf genius on the team, yep. knowing everything and keep, keeping information. It's about every time you do something, you're doing it for the thing that you're doing and for the next person that's doing the job. So it's a painful process. Like it is double the work, like quite literally to make sure you record everything. You can record it like, you know, there's plenty of recording apps that you use. Like we use TLDV. It's a great app. Um, you can use Loom. We use a ton of Loom videos. Mm -hmm. um, you have to build, record, document those. And then you have to think about what was the framework and the thought process and the strategy behind the thing you yep. did and the why behind what you did. So if yep. you just tell people the what, you know, it's just kind of like, all right, you place this brick on top of this. But if you know why you have to place the brick there, then you're going to have a more empowered team. So, you know, it, it's kind of that system of record document, understand the framework, and then you have to build that repository and store it in a place where it's not just like a book on a shelf that no one's going to reference. And you're going to have to be like, this is on page 32 of the encyclopedia. You're going to have to actually put it in a usable framework for people to use. We use Monday.com. That's what we use. And we have different knowledge frameworks inside there. I know a lot of people like Notion. Um, I've seen that used a lot. But it's really just about building that repository for everyone in the company to be able to access the hive mind that grows with inside inside your company. But but to be fair, we haven't in our company, and I think it is very difficult to document every single decision that could ever possibly be made within a company in the sense that there may be things that just happen that you're like, wow, didn't see that one coming. Especially if you introduce a new service, a new something in within the company, there's things that just naturally happen. So what what I will say that we did is we created a decision-making framework. And this is more of a higher level of do what's best for the client, but also do what's best, also weigh that against your other team members. So, you know, doing what's best for the client. Well, in our business, delivering something within an hour once they, you know, once they say they need something. Okay. But you have to weigh that against your, your, your team too. So if you're the project manager is how is that going to affect the rest of the team? Are they now going to be angry at you because you're now forcing something down that they didn't even have a say on? So it's really just weighing a lot of these things to make sure that at the end of the day, it's what's best for the team. It's what's best for the client. And we all together have a really great result. I agree. So I'm curious, Zach. Something about a puppy. <laughs> your idea of the day. Um, I, I'm he's curious. out of frame right now. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could get him in frame, but he's passed out on the. If somehow I, I guess you know our podcast puts him to sleep every time we have our podcast, he falls asleep. But I, I guess dogs don't like listening to our podcast. But anyway, so we adopted my dog. Uh, he was originally in Texas. He then made his way to Oklahoma. He then made his way up here, well, up to North Jersey. We then had to go up to North Jersey and get him and then bring him back to Philadelphia. And for whatever reason, and I do feel bad, I think in the past he was probably thrown on the street or 
gone through some really traumatic experiences. And just like humans, dogs deal with these traumatic experiences where they kind of react. It's it's almost like a PTSD type thing. I'm not a dog expert, but this is what I've been reading. And they literally have these anxiety attacks. And our dog has, I mean, severe separation anxiety to the extent where if we leave, he's going berserk. He's not destroying the house, but he's like really going berserk. Well, want to take want to take a wild guess what a solution is to help with separation anxiety for a dog? Take a wild guess. Leaving the TV on. I don't know. I'm uh, creating no, a video. It's, it's getting another dog <laughs> or a cat. So <laughs> we're not getting another dog or cat. I mean, I, I don't think your place has enough space. For we would no, no. There's there's you no way we city. Uh, there's no yard. <laughs> we're not getting another dog or cat. However, I came across this toy where it is it mimics a heartbeat of a dog. Where and that, but this is meant for puppies. So it's you know they cuddle up. It's kind of like like they're cuddling up with the mom and they mimic this heartbeat. Well, I know this sounds absolutely crazy, and I know this sounds like something that would be at South by Southwest maybe this year or five years from now. I would love to kind of trick my dog to think that we have a live puppy or cat. Or something that they feel really bonded with. So that when we leave, they have a real companion with them. Because we've tested all other things and it has not worked. But what we have found out is that if you put in these kind of lifelike type things, even a lifelike thing of myself, they do really well. Who would have guessed? Dave, would you ever get one of these? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm not, I'm not a big pet. This is a very controversial opinion. I love animals. But I don't like having pets. All right, great. So, now, now a bunch of people just left the podcast. But yeah, we lost <laughs> half our viewership there. Is this a like a robot version of you? No, 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 no. That, that's just weird. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not going like. Down. Is it like a little stuffed animal that like walks around the house <laughs> when you're gone to like I, play with your dog? Okay. To me, the weird thing was people literally on YouTube have created dolls of themselves, like the ones you see in like a clothing store. Yeah. And they lay it on their couch when they leave and the dog kind of interprets it as they're human and they cuddle up to the human and they're fine. I would love to have one of those, like a little dog, quote unquote, that is, yes, it's, it is a robot, but my dog thinks it's another animal, another pet, preferably not a squirrel because it chases squirrels like, like, and they want to kill them. But something between a cat, dog, whatever, that they feel as though they're connected to. And there's even these things where um, you can actually get this scent and the dog feels as though... They're with a pack of other dogs. It kind of like sends off the scent. I'm not joking. They have these collars. I, I'm I'm deep into this. They have these plug-in wall things where it sends off these scents. I would love to get this this robotic dog with this scent, but it's it's fluffy. It's it's comforting. It's it's like another dog. It's like it's a not Furby. Like, yeah, but but, but for it, dogs. But it but like needs more, to be able to sense life. things. It needs to be able to sense things to the to the extent where maybe we are notified when I know I, you're, you're going to think I'm crazy here. And I, I know that, but we're going to be notified if, you know, his heartbeat is getting too extreme. It's sensing that his, that he's really having this panic attack. It knows what to kind of do in these panic attack situations. Cause all we have right now is I can't reach it, but this loom cam or uh, ring camera over here that basically we have to watch every once in a while to see if he's like having this breakdown in, in our place. So it'd be nice to kind of get this like sensory thing to notify me, know what's going on. It's basically like free doggy day. It's like the whoop for dogs, but it like gives you comfort. 
Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting. Whoop is it like monitors like your it monitors like your heart rate. I have no idea what a whoop is. And it sounds like this would be like a little robot that like monitors and plays with and comforts. Not not a robot like a robotic dog that you think of. It's like like fluffy robot. Yeah, like maybe even people would think it's real to the extent. Um, I don't know. Anyway, if you guys think this is a good idea, let us know. If it's already out there, let us know too, because we don't fact check these things. We just kind of whiff on these on the podcast. But Dave, this was a lot of fun. We will come out next week with another episode of The Founder's Life.